from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. According to our mothers. And Gordon's here too. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Join the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops. It's like taprooms as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the furrow link at the Marvel homepage at blinderstudios.com and join today. While you're over there, you can go ahead and click on our patron link or head over to patreon.com slash blinderstudios and become a patron today. I uh, also want to give a big shout out specifically to our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Hoppin' Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, and Phil Feldman. All right. Brian. What have you been up to beer-related lately, man? Beer-related. Beer-related. You guys just had a whole, like, taco throdown, huh? Yeah, we did, which is not beer-related at all. Well, it was at it's the brewery. Taco like, I know, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, no, no, you're fine. Um, we, I'm sorry that I'm trying to promote things at your brewery. Beer, <laughs> <laughs> beer related. Uh, we, yeah, we had the taco throwdown, and um, we definitely have been coming out with uh, uh, a different beer every month. Um, and uh, yeah, um, Hazy Valley was another a new hazy IPA, and that one's been pretty hot. And then um, Mucho Ojos is a uh, dry hopped uh, Mexican lager, which uh, is really really delicious. It's a little bit hoppier and a little bit more green than um, than I think it should be, but it's um, uh, it's just been uh, <laughs> it's just been released there. Sorry, like, there's always uh, some shenanigans off mic, so if you become a patron, you can watch the stream and you can see what sort of bullshit is going on. There's a plug for being a patron. But anyway, long story short, I would say, you know, this Mexican lager that is dry hopped, uh, this isn't the the best direction to go with this in the world, but I do truly think that about a month from now, it'll be perfect. Okay. Which isn't the which means that we need to figure something out on the on the front end. But I just it's too green and almost too hoppy for Mexican lager style wise. Okay. So just like hops need to drop off a little bit. They do, and I'm only saying this in in a, in the sense that um, if we were trying to brew this to some sort of style, which we were not. Yeah. So that's the reason so on that. Direction. I guess like I mean to bring it like homebrew bound esque. Um, if you had that recipe, like would would swapping like um, some of your hops for maybe like extract or something like that in order to add bitterness up front versus hop character, would that no, help? Or I that, uh, no, because okay. the bitterness on a Mexican lager like that is so so minimal, so minimal. So it's a matter of pulling the the dry hop back. It I, it's not a matter of changing the variety because I like what's happening. It's matuka, so it adds this lime character and that's you know what we were going for um we did put some some salt in it as well um you know, the salt was hydrated um and was uh, added into the bright tank so that's that's a good way to do it if you're trying to make a salt and lime mexican lager which we did and side note i'm sitting here with a modelo a can of Modelo in my hand. I mean, so. 
Didn't you guys do a Mexican lager last year, the year before, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that was yeah. the pilot. Okay. And it was uh, roundly hated by everyone. Well, they're wrong, because it was <laughs> delicious. <laughs> it was pretty good. And then you have Zorro Rojo, which is like... That's a Vienna. It's a Vienna, yeah. which falls into that Mexican lager territory. It sure does. Territory. Yep. Absolutely does. Also fantastic. That's a fun bit of history. Why Why was there German lager in Mexico? Uh, because the Nazis <laughs> ran away. Uh, no, that, <laughs> no. Uh, it's actually because uh, they had a large uh, German immigrant uh, population in the 1800s. Yep, exactly. It's you know, um, same same with the kind of our area. Yep, and, and even earlier, it's just the the um, arable farmland is very similar mm-hmm. there that is here in this area of Wisconsin, Minnesota. So yeah, uh, sorry, that was a big long. Oh no, that was great thing. Um, you beer? Oh, beer, beer related. Uh, let's see. I um, honestly not a ton. The weather has gotten really nice, um, and so it's kind of put uh, brewing on the back burner as I'm trying to get landscaping and uh, summer activities done. Like I went, yeah. uh, I went scuba diving in Black River Falls last uh, yesterday. Uh, so we stopped at Lucette Brewing on the way home because that's what you do. Yeah, uh, and you get pizza and delicious beer, mm-hmm. and then yeah, that's I mean that's kind of been it. Like that's kind of my problem too is with the, all the house projects. Yep. Yeah. It just yeah, it. Sometimes it falls to the wayside. Um, You're my, still relatively new at this house, studio, house. Uh, almost two years now. Oh, boy. Okay, so not that. Yeah. But there's still so much shit to do when you own a house. Yep. It's buy, buy a home, they said. Yeah, it'll be fun, <laughs> they said. You know, Brian, you're, you're, ju- you're just getting started. You're going yeah. to hate it. This is, um, my, <laughs> this is my first summer in my house, and I'm, I'm already, I had my chainsaw going yesterday. Yep. Um, the, the hardest part is... <laughs> Stopping it from becoming too much work, like you have to like prioritize. Yeah, we I'm like we just need to do a homeowners podcast now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I guess uh, besides that, the uh, the Pilsner um, that. Uh, we tried a couple weeks ago on the show, um, and Gordon tried. That has really come into its own. Nice. Um, I have been drinking the hell out of that, um, and so that's I, the one on the on the keg cooler out in the garage yep. that says pale ale. Yeah, that's the one. I haven't, I haven't updated yet. Again, <laughs> been busy. <laughs> that means like I have to log into like a local website and like change some text. It's so much work. I could just be like, it's on the left one. And also, nobody reads it anyway. No, probably I not. I think you should have flavor text on that display. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, sure. I read it. Or what? What do you Gordon call it? Yes. What? I wasn't aware Gordon knew how to read, so that's I mean, it good. Is it's you know, it comes back to you <laughs> after you move south of eight. All these things, you know, like colors, numbers, Readings reading. Come back really? Oh man, I believe it. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, you're just like, oh, it's yeah. brighter down here for some reason. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, we should probably uh, dig into this episode yeah, let's do uh, a before brewer, we get uh, homebrew podcast. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Before before we get yelled at by all of our uh, <laughs> listeners. Um, all right. Uh, so in front of us, we have our commercial calibration. Uh, this is uh, from something in Gordon's Neck of the Woods, uh, Leinenkugel's Brewing, uh, which is also a worldwide product. Um, so I don't know if you'll be able to find it where you're at, but I hope so. Uh, this is one I've from them I have not had. It's their Kolsch with rye. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the idea of that really excites me. Let's see. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> right. We've all been disappointed Let's before. Let's see what happens. Uh, first of all, this le- beautiful straw gold color, yep, crystal yep. clear. 
Uh, head in your glasses sticking around. Yeah. Um, Gordon's two. Mine kind of went away, but yeah, it was there for a half second. Lacing kind of sticks around. Aroma. I'm getting a little bit of that rye, um, and then some of that like fruity colchness. Definitely fruity colchness. Um, very slight rye, but it's there. I'm very surprised that the rye didn't change the change the color color on this beer. Um, rye can tend to what make it more like red. Yeah, add like a reddish hue. This is definitely a Kolsch. Yeah. I, I, I'm I not getting a ton of rye spice. There, um, the, I'm not getting a ton of rye spice either. Like, there's low to no. Um, it's very, very subtle. Um, but I will say um, there's a very neutral malt quality to this. Um, it's not um, – Super bready or grainy or anything like, yeah. And this is such a canary of a beer, um, meaning that it's really easy to pick stuff out. Like it's see through, in a sense. For, like my yeah, taste well, buds yeah, yeah. Your taste, your taste buds can see through it. So I basically I'm tasting like grain, maybe rye. If you told me if you if I didn't know there was rye in here, I wouldn't. I'd be like, yeah. oh, cool, great. I get a like just of a hint of a taste of rye in it, like rye brushed up against. Well, it. and mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering if it's what we're actually tasting, or if it's because we're looking for rye that we're finding it. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah, meant. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to pick through because I just smoked a cigar, so I get a lot of sweet tobacco. And oh, all right, so everything Gordon tastes doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but picking through that, there's a hint of rye there. A little spice. <sighs> yep. Casey gave Gordon the option of sitting on the deck in the sun and drinking beer or being on this podcast. Uh, where's the uh, Where's the Indiana Jones guy being like, you've chosen poorly. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh, uh, no, I, I I think this is a really good call. This is a great, great uh, coming from beer. like I, uh, Liney's for me is very like I find their shandies too sweet, um, but they're like their staples are usually very solid, and I really yeah. like this beer. The the balance is a little off, a little out of whack on this. Um, there is very very low. Bitterness. Are you getting like a almost like a lemoniness? Um. No, I'm still getting like cracker. I was gonna talk about like there's low to no bitterness, which is fine, and I think what you want. But I think it's it it it's not sweet, but it, the the balance is in my mind. Uh, it, it needs a little bit more something, a little bit more bite. To yeah, like balance it. more crispiness somehow. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Oh, it's it's a beer from them I haven't had before. I'm not. Yeah, I mean it's a all. good beer. It's well made, but I I think if you're gonna put rye on this, uh, uh, make it rye forward you need a, little a little bit more rye. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't don't tease me with that rye. Yep. Like show it to me. All right. Uh, so we are doing a listener mail episode this week uh, because we just had a pile of listener mail and it seemed like the best way to do it. So uh, we're gonna start with a, a letter from Ryan. 
Uh, hi, Homebrew Bun. I've been listening to the show since mid-2020 when I started getting to homebrewing, and your beginner brewer episodes helped uh, answer a lot of questions for me. I've only decided to write in after the Fruited Sour episode when you did a commercial calibration on Molson Canadian to let you know that you do, in fact, have Canadian listeners. <laughs> um, I'm located on the west coast of Vancouver, and we've got a very strong brewing culture here with uh, the typical hop focus you would find anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. While having dozens of local brands to choose from is amazing, what has begun to happen is all the liquor stores fill their shelves with local product, creating an insulated bubble where I'm only able to purchase beer brewed within uh, 50 kilometers or 30 miles. Thank you for doing that math for me. Um, of home. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's become difficult to find uh, beer from even elsewhere in the province, let alone Seattle or Portland, and tracking down beers from craft breweries anywhere else in North America is downright impossible. Uh, here's, here's where the question comes in. Do you think this, is, this kind of insular oversaturation is bad for the industry? How do you as brewers keep yourself up to date with trends and styles that are originating outside of your local area? Uh, keep up with the great show, Ryan. Uh, I guess this is more of a Brian question. Um, so no, this is, yeah, yes and no. But also, if Justin were here, I feel like he would have like a super he would have a really crazy, eloquent answer. So I'm yep. gonna, I'm gonna do the the me, me show you by right on rock with with me show you cave stick. Me give you caveman idea uh, of of this. So the first the first question to address in here. Um, is let's see here. Do you think this kind of insular oversaturation is bad for the industry? Yes, uh, is the short answer. Yes and no. Um, everyone's always harping about local, and local definitely helps. Um, you know, the lo- helping the local economy is an, never a bad thing. So anything within that, you're you're helping your your fellow man, your fellow brewer. Um, so. I think a, a question that could have been injected in in between this is is a why, and you know you might could do a little bit more research on this. And and part of the why is imports are like the importing tax. That's what's what's getting you. And it says Vancouver um, difficult find. Beer, uh, even elsewhere in the province, let alone sailor point. So, um, anything that's coming to you, uh, Ryan, um, is uh, having to be imported, and that's expensive of AF, and almost always volume shipping works a little better. So, if you're Budweiser and you have all these breweries that you bought, and you send your Budweiser truck with like twelve different SKUs, or in the industry we say SKUs, that's just a barcode. You know, each beer has their own... 12 different types of beer. There you go. 12 different types of beer. Uh, that's all made by Budweiser and all consolidated in one of their warehouses and picked up by one truck and sent... And all the bonding and all the shit that goes with it, one truck. Not 12 trucks. And that's going to cost, you know, way more yeah. for each beer, blah, blah. So so that's that's part of an issue, part of the issue. And honestly... That's a, a Google it or, or email us, and we <laughs> you should talk to Justin. Um, I mean, I, it might not be a bad um, do I th- thing yeah. for the Hop and Barrel Happy Hour to even kind of for talk sure. about. Yeah. Do I think it's bad? Um, 
Yes and no. And I said that before. It's, you know. Uh, How do you as brewers keep yourself up to date with trends and styles that are originating outside your local area? So the the short answer is Google or the internets or the... The The podcast or Podcast or like the barrage of trade industry email that I get on the inside as, as a pro brewer or as someone that, you know, is is involved with a, an actively producing brewery. We have a lot of like insight into the industry. You know, you go to the craft brewers conference or you, you know, you've got a pro brewer, um, message boards. You've got, um, the, M- the master brewers association of the Americas, uh, message boards and emails and things like that. So trade email. So if you can figure out a way to get in on some of those trade emails, I don't think it's out of the question. If you're not a, a brewer to, uh, find that information. Um, and I, yeah, like the MBAA is a good resource. Um, but yeah, the internet and then also good old fashioned sitting around at the bar, talking to people about beer is, is a lot of when people bring something up, it's because we're at the brewery and it's like, Hey, have you heard of cold IPA or, Oh, this reminds me you mean of the face tattoo of IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> did I say that? Yeah. You sure did, Brian. God damn it. <laughs> Oh, fucking A. <laughs> uh, what kind of mood was I in that day? Not a good one. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, anyway, so how do you brew this? Keep all the trends. Uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and then, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I don't know. Casey? Yeah, I mean, uh, so we've kind of noticed something similar happening here. Like, if I go to a local liquor store, um, I have kind of two two choices um, speaking like of Dick's just right down there, you have the one aisle that is all local or regional brands, and then you have the Budweiser brands. And anything outside of that, like we're not getting anything, you know, from you're not really getting a ton from like the West Coast or the East Coast anymore. Like that's not huge. Well, there's been a lot of closures too of breweries yep. and then a lot of consolidation. And we've probably talked about this a little bit, but in 2011, um, when the, well, maybe it was a little earlier, so don't, don't, I don't want to pigeonhole with 2011, but that's around when I, it was, I, I became aware of Budweiser trying to buy some of these other brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was just enraged. Like people were boycotting, blah, blah. Now nobody cares. Nobody cares anymore. It's yeah, the 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 industry has shifted where that's I mean, how it works yeah. now. Well, and it's, it's how it works. That's how and, it worked then. Well, and I like and at least my drinking has shifted from if I'm gonna go support a local brewery, I go to the brewery and I drink yeah. their beer there. Uh-huh. Um, that is the absolute best way to do and, it. And like, I'm not really buying it from the liquor store as much because yeah. when I can just go down the street and get a pint fresh why would i buy it in a can yeah we always make more money if you come to our brewery and spend your money there and if you can get off sale from the brewery also do that that is because the the money goes directly to the brewery and doesn't go through the distributor yep or the liquor store or the we say like ptr the markup of you know (laughs) 17 to 30 percent um Anyway, yeah, I think we're getting a little long on this one, and that's fine. But, Ryan, I wanted to address also the fact that when I read this earlier, what did he say? Yes, you do have listeners in, listeners in Canada. Or is that the one coming up? No, that's that's the one that we just did. Oh, my God. Um, 
we do have you. We do have listeners in Canada. That's great. <laughs> His name is Ryan. We almost speak the same language, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. So I'm, I'm glad that Ryan translated this all to Americanese. He did really that. good, you know. Like I, I'm pretty sure, like uh, I also I just have the Bob and Doug McKenzie filter on, you know. So yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. As usual, Ryan. Thank you, man. Yes, Thanks for thank listening. You so Thanks much. for writing us. It, it's always fun to read these. All right. And then uh, our second letter uh, today is from Tyler. Uh, hey, Casey, just listened to the episode on Fruited Sours, and I have cons- some concerns about backsweetening the Lindemann's apple the listener was planning to make. It's entirely possible that I misunderstood you, and if so, please disregard. Um, I agree with your remark concerning pasteurization at home. It's too dangerous. At the same time, adding yeast after backsweetening is also dangerous. The amount of sugar used for backsweetening is much higher than that needed to bottle condition. It's likely to lead to bottle bombs if the utmost care is not taken. Unless something is done to stop the sugar, the yeast will continue uh, working through the sugar added for back sweetening until there's nothing left or the bottle gives to pressure. You could put the bottles in the fridge, but what happens if the fridge stops working? I've struggled with this uh, whenever bottle conditioning cider and I've resigned myself to sweetening at serving time. This is usually uh, in the form of simple syrup if I want minimal impact or concentrated apple juice for some extra apple flavor. I think the user's plan to bottle condition and sweeten a serving is a good option. Uh, if the listener's wife doesn't like overly bready beers, um, then maybe it's best to add preservatives, Camden, or and potassium sorbate to the fermenter, then add champagne yeast uh, and just enough sugar for priming at bottling. I say add the preservatives in the fermenter as I think the sulfur from Camden tablets uh, needs time to off-gas prior to adding yeast, uh, though I'm not experienced in doing this, so I can't say for sure. You could also skip the preservative step and go forego the yeast and let it naturally bottle condition. With the priming sugar, however, it'll have more Brett character this way. Personally, being able to back-sweeten cider is one of the myriad reasons I'm slowly transitioning towards kegging everything. Sorry if I misunderstood what you're trying to say. Love the show and looking forward to hear, uh, forward to more in the future. Have a good evening. Tyler, you are absolutely right. We did not, at least, uh, like... Talk talk enough about the possibility of bottle bombs with back sweetening. Like there is definitely there, there's a definite potential problem there. Um, you can you can do fruited sours in the way without back sweetening. Like if you just make them very sweet to begin with. Like you're like there's going to be a point where the yeast is going to die off because the alcohol is too high, right? Um, and like there's there's ways to do it. But you're right. It's it's one of those things like if you're going to just straight back sweeten, you need to be kegging, I think, is and then force carving. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, then, if you are kegging potassium sorbate or sodium benzoate. Yep. Yeah, to make sure you arrest fermentation completely. Yeah. Uh, carbonate. And then if you want a bottle, like doesn't carve off the bottle. doesn't do you any good to put those in if you're bottle conditioning because. Yep. Well, because it'll kill everything. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, and it's it's no, and I I really appreciate. It. I like. I again, love these kind of listener mails too. Well, I love all the. Well, yeah, because it's it's one of those I things where we we mail, said but. something, um, and probably didn't go in deep enough as we needed to. And I mean, just reiterating, like some of this shit's dangerous, like especially when you're dealing with the with the pressures that we can that you can put in a bottle before it yeah. explodes. Like, it's I mean it's it's a real possibility of having a bottle explode in your hand or like in your garage or near a pad or something like that. So just yeah. kind of keep that in mind. Hop and Barrel has we had when we were we first released that shandy. There was definitely an old man with a four pack of shandy in his hand and it exploded. So yeah, not not cool. 
Very, very uncool. Yeah. And now that old man drinks for life. Luckily, he was old. <laughs> yeah, because... It... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. <laughs> you broke, Gordon. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Um, yeah, I, again, like, Tyler, thank you for sending this in. I just really wanted to kind of reiterate that there is a lot of things here. Uh, and you bring up a lot of really good options uh, to, to kind of work around this problem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have much else to add to that. Like, I don't either. I I love get like I said, love getting these, uh, and and also love that like we get these so there are actually people listening and like this equipment is actually plugged in. Yeah. Right. To like, I I'm not just tricking you guys, <laughs> or this is all very elaborate, Brian. And I'm just gaslighting you. <laughs> the greatest trick the Casey ever pulled <laughs> was, was telling him that listeners existed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh we got God. we got we got one final one here, um, and this might be its own show, uh, all on its own. But uh, Clark, I'm looking to switch from extract to all grain. I have the basic extract equipment uh, from Northern Brewer. What would I need uh, to do to move into all grain? I, oh. I do have a list of what comes in the kit. That you oh, you do. At least. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he has a 10 gallon pot, gravity siphon, black black star burner, a three bucket one gallon for mixing and two fermenting five-gallon buckets, uh, triple-scale hydrometer for testing the ABV, bottle cap, hand press, for, and star sand cleaner came Um, I mean, with that, all, honestly, all you need is you need a mash ton of some kind. Or if you're going to do brew in a bag, you don't even need that. Uh, if you're going to do brew in a bag, all you need is a brew in a bag bag. And he can, do all, he can make this work with gravity versus, like, having a pump in a, yep. in a work chiller. Yeah. Or well, I'm sorry, like the the heat exchanger, not. Oh man, for switching to all grain from that, like yeah, because he'd have the you already have the pot kettle with the copper coils. Where's the copper coils? Oh, chilling. for the chilling. Yep. Yeah, yeah he'd have that right. That yeah, came yeah, with it. Yeah. You read that part? No, that's no, that's in. It's my buddy. We we talked about this yesterday because we we're talking about uh, Casey's electric. Oh, system. I see. Yeah. Okay, All and right. it got us on like he has. There's the context. Kit, yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, honestly, I like in order to switch over to all grain. If you have if you have a large enough enough pot, um, is you, you need a mash ton of some kind or do brew in a bag. And honestly, brewing the bag might be the easier route to go. Um, and then you just need a way to, like, especially if you're doing five-gallon batches, like, that's plenty of that's plenty of headspace. Um, yeah, you would just basically need a bag. Um, and just, like, big, almost, they almost look like laundry bags. Yeah. And you, uh, you just buy your grain pre-ground, put it in there, um, bring it up to your mash temp. Uh, you might want to get some some kind of insulation to wrap around the kettle um, in order to so it like maintains heat better because like the metal kettle is gonna uh, you know it's gonna get rid of heat dissipate heat a lot faster but um, yeah and like just a really good temperature probe which I'm guessing it, you already have something like that if you're if you're boiling already or if you're brewing already right I believe so yeah, yeah I think that's I, yeah I honestly like Brian. Um, <laughs> anything to add to that? Like, no. <laughs> ah, you're good, man. You're good. All right. Um, Clark, I hope we answered your question. Uh, if not, uh, talk to Gordon more, and <laughs> he'll yeah. he'll he'll bring more questions in. All right. Um, I think I think that's it, Brian. Do you have anything you want to add? No, man. All right. 
As usual, I say it a third or ninth time or whatever. Thanks, listeners, man. It really makes it uh, easier to uh, crank out more episodes. It really does. Uh, Anytime we get feedback from you guys, it means a lot to us. So uh, speaking of, if you have any feedback, uh, reach out to us on Patreon. We do that like... There's a, there's a messaging thing there. Otherwise, shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com. Or uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewsstudios. Or hit us up on Instagram at blindnewsstudios. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.